CT wins, uh, a consistent world title threat, an Olympian, winner of, what, two bells, two events in heavy water lefts at cloud break, uh, and the first Aussie to ever qualify for the new format Rip Curl WSL finals. Jarrell's finest, Sally Fitzgibbons. Welcome to Ain't That Swell. Wow, what an entry. You just towed me into like set of the day. Oh, Tires are pumped. Oh, I'm just, I'm chaffed. I feel giggly being on the phone to you. I'm so excited. Um, Last time I saw you actually was, it was a Swellian shindig. We had uh, the Swellian army set up at Bells and we were sort of uh, really ripping it pretty hard on a, on a big, well, it was an ordinary day really at Winky Pop, but uh, you were loving it. (laughs) I reckon that's like hands down one of my most memorable Especially on that that cliff, and like I've lived some years down there now, and that moment, it felt like I was running out for Geelong Cats to win this premiership this year. Like mm. it was like that moment where you guys were high in the sky up on the cliff, and I was like, I didn't, I wasn't aware too of like it was a big surprise. So I paddle out, and then oh, I start hearing my name, and I'm like, where's that even coming from? And then, like, four of you guys just started, like, ramping it up. And I had, yeah, I had the chills out there. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I could hear the chant and just you guys getting behind us. That's oh, what it's all about. But, mate, we just, oh. like, after the Olympics, we just wanted to just chair you around Australia for a couple of months. We were done. We, <laughs> we, we, did, we didn't want to, yeah, we just wanted to be able to say thank you and, and you know, uh, Far out, you just, you know, you put it in heart and soul, you know, for you, for yourself, for your family, but for all of Australia, you've always got the flag draped over you and, um, geez, it was a good thing to be able to da- be down there and celebrate with you, uh, even on a, on a sort of half decent day at Winky. So it was good fun. Oh, thanks, boy. Thanks, Spellion. Thanks, all the, uh, the community out there. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, we, you know, that could be, you know, starting it here, rumours could be going for future world record. We could go for the longest chair. Oh, around the country. That's not a bad idea. I reckon uh, as soon as you hang up your boots, which hopefully isn't for a while, we'll, we'll do that. We'll take you on a, a sort of Olympic torch tour around the whole country, <laughs> me and Smithy. How fun would that be? Uh? <laughs> all, the, all the watering holes and feet doesn't like touch the ground. I love it. All right. Look, um, I just wanted to have a look at this last 18 months of your career with you because uh, there's so many highs, uh, like milestones, winning the CT at Rotto is a big one participating in the Olympics, obviously an experience, which was a lifelong dream for you, which you, you realized uh, qualifying for the first ever CT finals, the new format, being a part of that, you know, massive shift on tour. But then there were devastating lows as well, mate, like, you know, missing the medals, um, being defeated at trestles and that world title slipping through your fingers. Uh, and then on top of it all, you know, the drama and heartbreak of the cut, only to then get the wild card for 2023. I mean, you've had more ups and downs than a yo-yo convention, Sal. I don't know how you do it. I mean, I, how, how I, do you... I think we're, we're needing a lot more naps these days, Vaughnie, because um, it, take, it takes its toll. But I guess that's why we that's what we signed up for. You don't know what's coming next. And um, I guess whether it's a high or a low, I'm just like, well, 
it's a it's a big shot of adrenaline and I've I've kind of prided myself on like even if it seemed a bit scary or don't know what's happening next, I just I just kind of stepped up to the plate and had a go. And so even right up like to the Margies this year and and the cut drama and I was like, well, at the end of the day, I gave it my best and. Um, if that looks like a bit of a dip compared to last year's the year before it was highs, you just kind of have to take it as it comes. But yeah, I was like, I gave it not that you're trying any less. It's like you're in the same, but you just get spat out a different like number at the deli counter almost mm. when you're lining up at the grocery store. You're like, no, a different number, different consequences. Oh, that's one way to process it. <laughs> Processed meat at the deli counter. What's the, <laughs> yeah, um, but, but what's your process? It's like um, one of those, um, slices of Devon at the end of the cut. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, yeah. we're going to have to push this all back together and try and make something of it. No, nah, avoid the Devon. Go for the uh, Mount Warning ham, and ma- ham mate. That's, that's the <laughs> stuff. Here. But how do you um, – I'm just curious to know, Sal, like how do you process a loss? Like, you know, Australia has ridden these moments with you, um, you, you know – like really heartbreaking stuff, you know, where, where it feels like it's, it's almost out of your control and it's, and it's just so cruel and unfair. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, Honolulu, Honolulu, where you had the top scoring wave and then nothing came through and then, you know, sort of coming out of the water at the Olympics. Like how do you process these things and just keep that spirit, you know, up and ready for the next battle? It's a good question. I, I think it's all kind of on feel. I, I, I process along with all the, the legends and champions that kind of follow along the story with me and, and just sort of process with that community. It might be like paddling out back at home after one of those moments and just surfing out my local and everyone's just like talking story and like moments that they watched or where they were for like the Olympics or – and the, I don't know, for some reason it just feels like a communal – high and low and and that maybe that helps to like dilute like the Mm. potency of one of those heartbreakers is so real and it it definitely takes its toll and even this year you know when I I dipped and didn't make the cut sort of like you're going so hard at like there's so many milestones and then COVID and everything it kind of has that like you know slingshot back into reality that you don't um as much as you want to be the energizer bunny all the time your batteries do run a little low so um i don't know i think i put i keep putting myself out there now because of that knowledge that i know like all this support and loves there on the other side of no matter what so i thought i sort of that's the part of my career that i do love is that there's nothing i haven't sort of uh hit on or experienced those extremes highs and lows kind of thing mm. Mm, yeah, true. And like, it's, I guess like once the pain of the moment is gone, uh, you know, those, those real, like you say, those heartbreakers, you can kind of reflect more on the entire journey rather than just that sort of, that's that one or two seconds of, uh, or that 30 minutes or whatever it may be where it all oh, sort of like goes pear shaped. Cause you know, like, as we just said that the highs and lows of the past year, the lows make the highs all that much higher. And, um, I, yeah, I guess yeah. That, yeah sure. you know, like, getting to have those experiences. Like, I just can't even imagine for you, uh, you know, being such a big fan of the Olympics and having always known that little part of your story from such a young age, you know, to walk into that stadium, to, to be there at the beach, to be representing your country. It's just a dream come true. Oh, for sure. I think as well, Vaughn, you'd, you'd sort of be doing yourself a bit of a disservice if 
you put it all down to like that one 30 minute heat but really when you break it down it's like a five second either decision or a one second fall off mm. and you're like imagine just like putting everything you've experienced all the beautiful parts of it and then like putting it all on the line and saying that it all came down to that one second and it wasn't worth it because you didn't win it like just doesn't even like make sense like if you use your intelligent brain of like huh like that's really not the case and um, I think that perspective is what comes into it over the years like when you're young you just like oh my gosh the world's ending the sky's falling and then when you start to roll through these things in that more mature state you're like I can see that it, it breaks my heart and mm. I'll definitely have some tears but I'm, um, I've got such a cool network of people no matter where I am in the world to kind of share that to you with and it's not like you know mm. looked down upon or anything it's like yep that happened and um yeah you just remember it good or bad but you know as a whole you're just like whoa like it's pretty crazy to think that i've experienced any of this yeah, coming from true. my little burrow from Drell. wow yeah no i mean it's absolutely incredible it's just such a uh oh, it's just such an incredible career this time last year you were in the thick of it uh, right in the thick of it, you know, you had uh, the the first ever lead up to this Rip Curl uh, WSL Finals day. What do you remember of that time? We we spoke to Morgie about it yesterday, and he said, you know, there were elements about it that he he really enjoyed, and then there were elements of it that were frustrating, you know, like um, not being able to get enough waves at trestles, just the crowd out there, sort of the hype machine of America, just going absolutely ballistic. I mean, were you at a time in your career where you could sort of take it in your stride because you had been a part of so many, you know, uh, world title showdowns and especially uh, even coming right into that final day? Or, you know, how do you look back on the week? It's still bizarre, It's like, you know, when you go into any of these first, like you're still in the same year you experienced the Olympics. So you're almost just like, I don't know, just overstimulated from the changes. Like mm. just everything was happening all at once. And so coming into it, I was still coming off that, that COVID heightened anxiety. You've come from Mex, they've cancelled Tahiti. And then you're just like plopped in, <laughs> in the US and you're like, yeah, how does this routine even work? Like I've got to get myself an e-bike, I've got to get myself a house. Like it just felt wild. It was like I was just like, you know, going to – a new part of school or something, a new uni or I don't know, a new workplace. Mm. And then, um, yeah, the build-up. I remember sitting with Morgs out there in a, a few of the warm-ups and we were just like, we would get to our threshold of like where the hype machine was too much and you just weren't even catching a wave. And it was just that look like look across to each other like, I know, we're just going yeah. <laughs> to bring our way through this. And, um, yeah, you're sort of embracing all those bits. So I can understand a few of them going into it thinking, oh, it's going to be this way, it's going to be that way. But, um, I, you know, you envision what it's going to be like at Trestles because it's a pretty known sort of wave, bit wave, like pool style of ocean wave. And I was just like, yeah, it'll be this style of wave. And it was completely different. It was just a big fog fest and like six foot. It almost felt like bells. Mm. And it had like proper closeouts sometimes. And I was going, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, do, do you think that your preparation leading into that van in light of everything you're saying was as good as it could be? Or, or sort of now that you've got the benefit of hindsight, you know, are there things that you would have changed? Oh, we still got that, that time because of Tahiti being cancelled. We're quite settled in the States. That's what I liked. We're settled on the time zone. And then surfing trestles in the lead up for that, like three weeks or whatever, it was it was like that steady, you know, drop down to like one to two foot. But there was a few three to four foot days 
um, and you got the good gist of it. You're like ready to go, mm. and then but we just hadn't seen like a six foot day or one of those. You know those kind of freakish California swells. You're like, is it? It's weird. It's kind of big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They catch you off guard, I guess, especially that far down the coast. But I mean, let's go to the morning of the event. You, you, some athletes, particularly with the benefit of hindsight, like they know if they're on or they're off as soon as they open their eyes on game day. Like, do you remember your initial feelings on the morning of the finals? Yeah, because we had the false alarm, and it was almost like the day before where they half called it on and then fog came in and they called it off. And yeah. So it was that it, that kind of was a wave of, like, pressure leaving. And then on the day it, when it actually started, you're like, okay, this is on. And then you're just fully in process mode because you're like, any of these heats is my last heat. Like, you could just be one and done, and, you know, it happens really quickly. But I felt that the nature of getting up for the heat and warm-up, watching prepping, and then the relief, like, winning my first match-up, it's then like, oh, wow, I've got to go in because the men's heat's already on and I'm going back out. So it's it's kind of weird because that sense of, like, that's such a big match-up, each one of them. There's only five people. So I don't know how to do it, but it's almost needs like a break between just to celebrate that you want to match up because four, uh, four, three, two, and then it's not really celebrated until it's one on one with the the leader. Mm. So I, there's a few bits where I was just like, whoa, okay, and I'm like scrambling in on the rocks, and they're like, can I do an interview? And you're like, whoa, but I'm really, I've got to go back out in like two minutes, mm. or well, ten minutes. So you sort of like having. A bit of water, maybe some banana, and then, you know, resetting, and then you're back out there. So, mm. yeah, it, it's I don't know um, what it will feel like watching it again. Maybe just one more go through to, to get used to it. But at the end of the day, no matter what the format was, I was like, well, this is the sport I love the most, and it's sport in general, and it's like I'm running out into the arena. Mm. So when I look back on it, like, I'm, I'm just having a ball no matter what. Yeah, cool. And, and that banana uh, that you ate between heats, you did peel it. It's not like the cover of Live Like Sally where you're eating a big bowl of uh, unpeeled bananas, is it? Oh, 100%. That, that, that pineapple on my head, I didn't peel that either. <laughs> just straight into it. Uh, uh, <laughs> no time. <laughs> look, it, it actually, it sucks that you're not there this year. Um, the, particularly, the top five is pretty much the same. Uh, I think Brisa Hennessy is, is the uh, new face in there. I mean, let's talk about Steph for a sec. Um, we saw a real different uh, sort of relationship with, with you and Steph evolve, particularly, you know, once the Olympic team had been announced and, and your friendship and your camaraderie grew. Uh, going through that together obviously bonded you guys in a, in a big way. Um, to me, this year, she seems like a very different surfer to last year, even competitively. she She's sort of scraped in at the same position at number five there, but... She really looks a lot more focused, a lot more determined. And I would say the big thing is she just feels like she believes she should be there again. Whereas last year I felt she was a bit tentative. What, what are your thoughts? What, what did you like about Steph's surfing this year oh, and her approach to competition? For sure. I'm flying the Aussie flag leading into this series. It's just Aussies all the way. And it's a really tall order. Knowing that energy that goes out, being in that five position, there's no doubt I, I believe she can beat any of the um, the top women now in this in this mix for the title. But just the way the format is, I know how it felt to roll from one heat to the other. And mm. if it is smaller, like if it is like a three-foot day instead of that six-foot day, 
I think, and a lot more waiting. You know, the difference in um, the different swells you get there. Sometimes there are a lot of like you wait and then that three wave set comes and then you wait. But if it's like pulsing and a lot of paddling, I can see her dominating that or exposing really the um, the couple in front of her just out of pure experience and knowing their story and especially for Tati that energy round she came close last year she was one turn away and it's still that PTSD of like oh like going back in and not wanting to get hurt again like if you put it all out there and you miss it again like it just hurts so bad and that takes a toll and I feel like those experienced ones like Steph and Riz and they can expose that in you and you feel that pressure and I, I think Steph can really roll all the way through to maybe like the number two matchup. But in a sense, Joanne is kind of in Terminator mode and she's going to be pretty fresh. So mm. it's sort of the way the format is. I'm I'm back in Steph. I'm still believing in the fairy tale for sure. But um, I've just loved that evolution for sure for for our relationship and the Olympic experience, even El Salvador this year, being, staying with her and being on the front lines for that win. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like she's got a lot more surfing to give and just a lot more to discover in herself. So I reckon she's sticking around, Vaughn. Oh, yeah. That's so interesting what you said about the PTSD of, um, you know, of, of that pain because uh, of, of being so close. Because you hear that about football all the time, you know, that one team can have the blind a year, but then they hit the semifinals and they've got the team that they always lose to or that always can come from nowhere to beat them. And it's almost like this psychological uh, barrier on top of just the performance that they've got to produce. Um, and unfortunately too, Bonnie, you carry that with you. That's, because, that's in your DNA. Oh. And whether you like it or not, like the ones say, the likes of Steph, they've won like seven titles and risk now going for six. It's, but they've gone into that circumstance where it hurts the most. And on their, in their circumstance, in their story, they have come out on top a lot more than not in the real big clanger moment. <laughs> and so they're more likely just to have that, like, reckless, like, abandon going back in there, whereas a few of us in our storyline where we go, pull yourself out there, pull yourself out, it hasn't happened. It just mm. sort of – you carry that with you and that's, that's your scout's badge kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's just sport. That's how it is. You have to have the different roles oh my God. in the story. But that these, just... I, that's why these goats are so dangerous. It doesn't matter how many more years – if they've got, you know, more waves in the legs or whatnot, it's mm. just like, hey, they're going to go ham and eggs in those big moments. Oh, my God. I just can't. I'm, just, I'm picturing goats with, like, razor-sharp teeth and blood-red eyes just sort of steaming out towards you while you're just sitting there sort of fingers crossed hoping that it's your time. But you're right. They're just ruthless. They're so ruthless, and I really wonder how that's going to play in. I think Taddy and uh, Joanne, having had that little bit of experience, it, it, it might help them. But, geez, what you say really rings true, doesn't it? Like, I mean, to get over these two women who have got, what is it, like 13 world titles between them, that's terrifying. Yeah, it's a, it's a big wall to climb. And then when they, when in a sense, like, they are, they are where they are because they're extremely intelligent competitors. So it's like playing the computer at chess. And so the more, like, Steph's been there and and hated the feeling of last year because she was first heat and then it was like there was no atmosphere. It was still a bit foggy. It was wonky as. And it was like 
kind of wonky bells. Like it wasn't even to set your line. There was a lot of sudsy ones. And so she's gone into that and she's like, oh, blow this. Like she learned so much going into that experience of what she didn't want to feel. So she's going to go back with her cash cow and be like, oi, by the way, this is what I meant to do last year. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. I really think that's the sort of attitude difference between this year and last. Uh, Oh, that's amazing. So, I mean... How do you see it playing out, though? You're saying uh, Joanne's in in attack mode, uh, Terminator mode. Is Carissa going to be looking over her shoulder at these women at all, or is she just going to have her own game plan? How do you see it sort of playing out on the day? Yeah, for sure. So if I take all personalities aside and I'm fully on stats mode, I'm going for – I've got a little bit of heart as well when I put my predictions in, which I can't get past. But um, so Steph going in against – Reese, Reese had a fantastic year. But I feel, yeah, I definitely feel Steph is going to get past that matchup into Tati and Steph, and Tati's going to be kind of that brute force energy. I'm here, you can't get past me. But I feel like there'll be a moment in the heat where she has to decide on what set to go or not and hold her nerve. And I don't know, I feel like Steph's going to force her hand, expose her somehow because she's like just really intelligent in that sense. Mm. And then it gets up to Joanne, and I just feel like oh, if Steph still has that, I don't know, endurance mentally or and, and physically, it just really depends on the wave condition. So if she's feeling it and she's like, oh, my gosh, this is just all happening, green light, green light, green light, she's going through, but then risk will be too fresh. That's what I predict. So if Steph goes down in matchup two, I feel like – that match then becomes really interesting, Vaughn, because you've got Riss versus Joe, and Joe's been observing Riss the last four years. And if you notice in the finals they've matched up in now, mm. she's really found this groove and momentum of beating Riss. So I find if she goes into that matchup, then that means that Joe goes one up and then creates that pressure, and Riss has to really decide in herself if she's got enough emotional kind of endurance or like that free feeling mm. to like swing freely or it's just been too exhausting this year emotionally and the pressure she's like oh my gosh I feel the squeeze and can't respond so oh it's getting really exciting oh. but, so if Joe wins the first match up she wins the title but if Reese wins the first match up she wins the title oh mate you have done some deep diving on this I love it I love it <laughs> such good insights it's really really oi, cool oi, oi, I'm not thinking of it at all I'm not, about, I'm not even thinking about it nah uh, <laughs> mate hey tell me something is Steph the kind of surfer who to your knowledge puts in a lot of time at the gym and makes sure that her physical stamina is up for like these you know, a day like this WSL finals, because what you're saying uh, about, you know, that run, the uh, emotional energy, the the physical sort of demands of it, I would back you to get through that if you were on a heater, if you if you were in that mood where you were, you were swinging freely, as you say, and in, in the role, I would never doubt your fitness to take you all the way through, even from spot five. It, is Steph that kind of surfer? Like, do, to your knowledge, does she put in those sort of like, you know, extra yards to to get the edge when it when it really matters, when the body is in a, you know buckling in pain and you've got to produce it from somewhere? I have honestly or feel and observed she is on the same level as like Slater Professor. Like she's like a Steph Professor, I believe. Mm. <laughs> if she's not, because 
she's either doing the majority of her work at midnight when we can't see it, or she's just really nailed it down, the specifics she needs for her body to feel good. It's like when you see, you know, you've always had a mate, right? And you might train the housebound to run the local fun run or run the marathon. And then there's your mate that shows up and then is just like freakishly just will do the marathon and be like, oh, that was a fun day. And like never really have to put in that extra case. So I find in Steph's version, she is a weapon at just knowing, like just not over expending energy that she doesn't need to. She knows, and and when she's competing, she's just like, I reckon, one of the smartest goats. And most of the goats are pretty smart when you look at them, of how they've gone about their career and how they manage their body. Mm. Yes, she she does have niggles. She's not immune to that, I am aware. She does have a few rattly bolts like the Jamaican bobsled team. They've got their (laughs) bobsleigh that's, you know, is the bolt going to fall out? But she's got an experienced team around her to nurture Mm. that and... Right, that's what I feel. I feel like, yeah, it's not the obvious. I've put in all this extreme work and I'm the, you know, the most machine-like physical specimen. Not that she's not, like she looks great and really fit. Mm. <laughs> I'm not, not hacking that part of it. But I just think the way she goes about her business, that she, she doesn't need to do that huffy-puffy um, spare whatever mm. she's just like I don't need those extra trippings I'm just going to be so accurate and get it right on the green and just birdie every hole yeah. to the final matchup yeah well I, I'll give you the footy analogy is um, you know towards the end of their careers a lot of the best players just stop training they'll they'll do what they do what the coaches are happy for them to sort of just be on their program because they know that that's what the body is comfortable doing and it will produce when the when the shit hits the fan, you know what I mean? So, and, that, oh. and that's exactly like um, even just now, Serena Williams, right? Tennis analogy. She's goating her way to her last like U.S. Open mm. performance, and she you're not going to be as like fast and agile as you were when you're 20, but it doesn't mean she can't like take a set off the number two now. You know mm. what I mean? So if she serves smart and doesn't waste any energy and still plays the game, like they're just their sport smarts are like out of hand, which is what gets them across the line. Oh, mate, I hope uh, Steph's got a few rockets in her back pocket ready to fire down the, uh, this finals day. Um, it's just been such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I loved getting your insights on this Rippy Was finals. I've got to know, though, you know, Paris 2024, how within your field of vision is it right now? It's definitely in the field of vision, Bonnie. I feel... I just don't know in a sense of like as a sport, like how it moves you through to like, oh, is that achievable or not or when you stop. But my level of like interest and engagement and how like my body's tracking and everything, like I'm just steadily behind the scenes, got a sustainable system to keep slowly improving my like surfing and, and just keep applying myself to the new experiences like um you know whether it's the olympics or you know events at pipe and chopes now and all that kind of thing i just go okay well i can learn bits of that and if i get the opportunity then like i'm there in that same capacity so oh i'll be given um next year's obviously be qualifying year so i'll just 
put my hat in the ring and just just keep charging along and like I enjoy it so much and as you can hear I I don't I don't think about surfing all the time do I <laughs> I'm either engaged in watching it or if I'm in it myself it's even better obviously because it's the real live version of it but um let's just see hey like I, I sign myself up we've got ISAs next month so we're going to be sting stinging at um Azira Kanji's and now you can, you know, qualify an extra spot for your country. That's, like, so meaningful. So, I don't know, just experiencing these things with new generations and multi-generations of our surf in Australia lineage, that's what kind of gets me out of bed. Oh, well, mate, you're a legend. You're an absolute warrior. You're a swelling queen and future Hall of Famer for sure, and I just loved getting you on the show and having a chat with you, Sal. Enjoy the finals day uh, and can't wait to see you pulling on that rashy at Pipeline. Early next year. Oh, thanks, boy. Go the Swellians. Go the Aussies. Let's go. Finals. I'm, um, yeah, I'm going to be painting my face. I'm ready to go. On your Sal. You. You.